Hola amigos, and welcome to Deconstructor of Funds This Week in Game. So your hosts, as always, the dad gang, Eric Kress, uh, Joseph Kim, and myself, Mishka Katkoff. What we're talking about today, I'm going pretty fast because I just want to get to the subject. So what we're talking about today are three interesting articles. So number one will be Bioware spreads out Anthem 90-day roadmap. And as we know from the news, Anthem, which was much anticipated, got a kind of harsh welcome, maybe a little bit of a too harsh um, regarding the game. But anyway, we're gonna, Eric Kress is going to talk about Anthem. The second article that we're going to talk about is why Apex Legends is obviously not the next Fortnite. Uh, a contribution piece on Forbes, and I'm going to dive deeper into Apex Legends versus Fortnite and the, the key differences and, and kind of what can we expect going to the future. And then we're going to close down by this a really harsh article on Motley Fool called Electronic Arts, How to Destroy Shareholder Value. So definitely very opinionated piece. And um, Joseph Kim will go uh, through that. So as always, please do leave those comments and we'll try to get back to you as soon as possible. Um, you can contact us on Twitter or just send um, emails on, you know, you know, all the steps you've been doing them. <laughs> and um Please do subscribe and please do enjoy. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Twig 24. We've got Mishka and Eric with us today. And before we begin, just want to make a quick announcement for those of you going to GDC. We actually have a super exclusive GDC dinner event. There are about 10 spots left that you can try to apply for. And Mishka is going to put a link to apply uh, for, for you to apply in the podcast notes. And this is essentially a dinner panel event sponsored by NBC Universal with App Annie in partnership with Deconstructor of Fun. And it's really going to include some pretty massive superstars in our industry. First of all, starting with our panel mon moderator, Mishka. <laughs> I uh, wouldn't who, say that's a yeah. superstar, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we're expecting huge things from, from, from him as uh, our superstar moderator. And the panelists, including, um, I don't quite know how to pronounce her, her name, but Drusilla Holanda, uh, a game lead at Supercell. Uh, Tim Longfist, the head of design on Empire and Puzzle over at Small Giant. And... Um, is we had reported earlier in previous podcasts, they were recently acquired by Zynga. Danielle Levitas, Executive VP at App Annie, and the Mans White. Am I pronouncing his name correctly, Mishka? Mons. 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 Mons White, who basically dramatically improved the performance of Angry Birds 2 over at Rovio. So anyway, try to apply if you'd like. And um, as a side benefit, if you if you do come to the dinner, you can meet uh, all three of us at that dinner. So Mishka and Eric, we didn't record a, a pod last week. I know both of you guys have been super busy. What, what's, what's been going on? I was in the, in Arizona, going to, <laughs> in the snow, actually, at the uh, Grand Canyon. Yeah. It was like 36 inches of snow, like the most snow they've ever seen in 20 years. So it was, it was fun, actually. It was beautiful, um, just unique. That's what I was doing last week. Mishka, you've been jet setting around, right? You've been jet setting. I'm not. I'm, I'm working, <laughs> Go I'm out to, like to drink some partying it up or something. I don't know. I have too much work. Like I have, 
I, I, you know, my regular job and then, then my, my, my kiddo. And then in the evenings, this deconstructor fun thing. So I've, I've been just super happy that we've gotten through all the predictions. You know, it took us two months to, to, uh, to predict the, the future of gaming market, at least the, the next 10 to 12 uh, months forward. So really grateful for, for everybody who joined in on, on writing those. And I think we wrote all together like 150 to 200 pages uh, of, wow. of, of predictions and, and some 50,000 people read those. So I think the predictions were well received. Um, and kind of now I just have to zoom in and then kind of see how our predictions are, are functioning and not to be too emotionally attached to the predictions made, because that's always, always happens when you make a prediction, you kind of wish it will happen. And you're trying to look for the signals for it to happen that you were right. So I'm kind of like detaching myself from the predictions made. <laughs> Nice. Well, okay. So, given that, let's uh, let's kick it off. Eric, you want to start with uh, Anthem? Sure. Um, you know, given kind of the uh, negative feedback on Anthem, um, I think these guys are kind of clamoring to reinforce that the, the to the community that they're going to be supporting this game going forward. Um, so, they released an article that basically says Bioware spreads out the ninety day roadmap for Anthem, and basically, kind of they're offering. What, what they're planning on doing, they acknowledge the fact that the game is a little bit weak in terms of content. And so they're going to kick it off in March with updates called The Evolving World, which are three big events. And then in April, they're doing some another additional stronghold, it looks like, and more guild support and leaderboards. Um, and then finally in May, this cataclysm starts, uh, another free play event, some new mission rewards, etc. So, you know, I... I'm happy that they're actually doing this. I'm a huge fan of this genre, as I've said many times, uh, Division, Destiny, and now Anthem. Frankly, I was a little bit surprised at how negative the reviews were. Um, I think I thought that Bioware would get somewhat of a pass and they would be in the, in the mid-70s, but man, it's far worse than that. And I think part of the reason is they staggered the launch and the PC community is a little bit more harsh than the uh, console community. And so those are their early reviews for PC um, but having said that, the game kind of kind of sucks, right? I mean, overall, it just kind of sucks, right? The story is stupid, the activities are repetitive, and the end game is basically non-existent. You know, these are like the same mistakes that Destiny One and Destiny Two made. So uh, it's like a little bit shocking that this would this would occur again um, for the same type of game. To be honest, um. You know, despite the fact that it's a little bit weak, they probably will get close to their target. I mean, they were trying to get to five to six million units. Maybe it's like four to five uh, because I think people will pull pre-orders given the review scores. Um, you know, you compare this, juxtapose it with The Division, right? With The Division is coming out with this absolutely robust story, tons of activities, and a really, you know, super built out end game. Um, it's just Anthem just can't compete in that space. So again, it feels like a lot like um, a destiny, you know, and ultimately they may have a small, like loyal fan base that continue to play the game, but I don't know if I can see a real big future for this game going forward. Clearly not what Bioware wants um, or EA for that matter. Um, EA, you know, definitely rushed this out. They should have at least done another six to 12 months of end game content and flush it out. Um, again, it boggles my mind that they would release something like this after the failed Destiny 2 um, with Activision. So anyway, what worries me the most is actually what's in store for Bioware. 
right? If, um, you know, they have tons of talent, uh, sorry, they've lost tons of talent um, from mismanagement from EA. And now this team's at risk. I know they have another um, Dragon Age in development, but could this team get, you know, decimated after the unsuccessful launch of Anthem? It's a little bit scary that some, you know, a studio like Bioware would, um, you know, start to deteriorate even more than they already have. So that's my only worry. But as far as I'm concerned, I don't think this game is going to be all that successful. I think it'll do, you know, a decent amount of units, but it's people will try it. But I just don't see the legs on this game, frankly. Got it. My my own personal take is that it's really kind of disappointing to see where by what Bioware has kind of come to. You know, is this guy who's kind of grown up playing Bioware games, and you know, probably my favorite game of all time is Star Wars: Knights of the Old Republic. So it's kind of sad to see where they've kind of gotten to, and kind of strange to see them pivoting to shooters after you know having you know had such a uh you know long history in, in more of the rpg space and you know definitely be excited to see what uh, happens with the next dragon age game but certainly i think that just looking at the you know the negative reviews it's it's you know i, I haven't played anthem myself but um you know it looks like the, the metacritic metascore is hovering around 60 and um user reviews around four for all platforms, although PC is a little bit lower, as, as, as you stated, and you know it's it's really just shocking how how bad the reviews are, and just watching some of the the YouTube videos that with like angry reviews, um, in particular about the load screen times, right? And I think uh, there there have been some videos that have that have kind of shown that there's there's more load screen time than actual actual game time, which is kind of kind of uh, <laughs> you know surprising to see. So, you know, I'm. A huge fan of Bioware over many years, having played so many of their games, and so I, I hope that things uh, go well for them. And so, if you know, in, in terms of you know the studio potentially getting decimated, I hope that that doesn't happen, and hope they've got um, you know more more RPGs in the future for us. Well, I mean, one more, yeah, one more point. Like, you know, they but they definitely will have more shot at it with Dragon Age. Um, I I do think that part of the reason that this has not done gone as well for them is they just have lost a lot of talent over the years. Um, particularly after mass effect Andromeda, which was a total disaster. Right. Um, mm. so, you know, maybe they keep just the one studio. I don't know what they're going to do. Um, you know, given where EA's at, I think they need to maintain and control and, and grow studios like that, this and, 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 and build them. But, um, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough spot for them. I think. I again, I want to just reiterate. I don't know why the reviews are so bad. The game. I just I played through the game. I'm at level the level cap, and I'm getting you know going after the gear. And clearly, this game is not built out right. But it's it's not that bad, right? <laughs> I, think. <laughs> I think. I think it's a little bit overkill. So like, and what's I what's really interesting is that people that love this kind of genre are going to play this game, right, to try it to see if it's something that interests them because they know people it'll get improved going forward. So. It's not an absolute total disaster. <laughs> it's just, you know, half of a disaster, right? <laughs> cool. Mishka, or you want to go directly? Yeah, to the next I mean, you guys know that I haven't really played Bioware games before. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why. I just <laughs> never, never got into them. Um, yeah, yeah. I have nothing to say. I hope all the best to Bioware. It seems like uh, I saw some trailers from Anthem. I'm like, oh, this looks cool. I'd probably never play this game ever, but um, but looks great. <laughs> So, yeah, let's just jump to the article number two. So this was a contribution piece by David 
by Dave Thier uh, on, on Forbes. And basically why this article is important is, is kind of three things. So um, it, the article is called Why Apex Legends is Obviously Not the Next Fortnite. And you know, the three things why this is important is that Fortnite has generated $2.4 billion last year. That's a staggering number. Um, the second one is that Apex Legends has been extremely well received, probably the best received Battle Royale game ever. Uh, and number three is that EA stock is is riding hard on, on Apex Legends because we, we saw that with the previous quarterly um, report, they they the stock went down quite significantly. Uh, Apex Legends was launched quite maybe a day or two after that, and, and the stock rebounded and actually kept on growing. So so that this game has clearly a, a big effect on, on, on EA stock. So Dave kind of iterates this article by talking about the problem isn't just a question um oh okay so the problem is that this question is just flawed at its core meaning the question whether apex legends is the next Ford or not and the eagerness to ask it ignores the fact that these games are just very different appeal to different players apex legends is not the fortnite and it should be obvious to anyone who have played both so the article argues basically that that fortnite has captured the sort of a broad audience uh because it's intensely intensely competitive uh, with a very high skill cap and makes a sort of a perfect vehicle for streaming, showing off their superhuman skills. At the same time, the game is very accessible in terms of, um, you know, it's easy to download. It's naturally free to play and um, and the quest system and everything. So it's going to go in both on the competitive side as well as the uh, the uh, the accessibility side. And, and the article kind of argues that Fortnite is perfectly legible even you have barely played any games of this kind before. Um, you know, arguably, you know, maybe, maybe true. And, um, and, and finally, it talks about the art style, which is silly and kid friendly and, and still intense. So kind of very, very broad in all the, the aspects. Then the article goes down talking about response game and, and how it's, um, how it's very squad based and the weapon mechanics w- with, with skill and the mastery and um, and kind of how this sort of a very core-ish shooter game, which, which it argue, which Apex Lab, arguably is 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 you know faring so well on twitch because of that and um and and it's nowhere as near as approachable as fortnite and because of that it will unlikely get the same impact even if the game gets launched on mobile as ea has hinted and the arc and the article kind of goes further arguing it's more complex because of the character selection screen because of the inventory and weapon customization mid-battle, because of the character abilities, two per each character, and because of the sort of, sort of a small and traditional shooter maps. And, um, and, and, and kind of ends up saying that, that Apex Legends is not the next Fortnite. And it's not a bad thing. It's just trying to be a very different thing than Fortnite. And that's why it kind of has that, that product differentiation, um, even though it borrows the broad strokes of the genre. So Apex Legends, according to this article, will likely continue to be successful, but it will be successful at something that will conflict with Fortnite less and less as time goes on, saying basically that that for you know Apex will continue developing towards its own more core game um, aspects of versus Fortnite being this this giant accessible phenomenon. So kind of zooming back out of this article, in in my opinion, you know the reason why we're seeing more battle royale games, of course, because of the revenues and, and everybody's going after that uh, giant piece of the pie. Uh, but I think it's, it's even though it looks very red hot ocean, but it's still 
available for entrance because of two elements. Uh, first of all is the fact that the games are very skill-based and there's no basically time-based progression. So what I mean by that is as, as you start hitting your skill cap, it's, it's kind of it's it's kind of you know easier to start a new game and your your progression basically slows down because you're you're just not skillful enough you're not putting enough hours so so there's incentive to try something new and there's also incentive to jump in a new game that comes out because if you start early on with apex legends or or whatever fortnite battlegrounds or, or battlegrounds you're kind of in that first wave so you're able to accumulate that skill uh, with that first wave and, and sort of, um, you know, do better as, as the game progresses. So there's incentive to start early and there is not as strong as incentive to continue playing if your skills are, are, are getting capped. The second thing that I feel is is hampering uh, the loyalty of Battle Royale game players is that there's no meaningful social structures. So uh, there's there's no guilds, there's no clans, there's no reason as with a lot of mobile games to to kind of continue coming back later. And, you know, you're running through that one season in Battle Pass. And after that, you, you earned your stuff. So that kind of, you know, keeps you, might keep you there. You've bought some stuff. But still, you're not really a part of a, of a strong community. At least not most of the players. Because they, the games don't have those, those, um, those structures in place. So if your friends are playing, that's good. You're playing with them. If they're not, you know, you can pretty easily switch. Uh, and then I kind of looked at at what it does it take to launch uh, a successful battle royale games because we've seen ton of battle royale games being launched, but but only few of them have been truly successful. And there's there's kind of four different elements that I feel are very important. Number one is is going big on multiple platforms. And I know I know that Brawl Stars is not. Um, a battle Royale game, even though it has a Battle Royale mode. But that's a good example of sort of a going big on multiple platforms. So uh, when originally that game launched, it, it went really big, even in soft launch, just with that giant influencer campaign, uh, getting 600,000 downloads in Canada alone. But it really started shining when it went to multiple platforms. What it means, they, it, they, they went out of just Canada, and they open up Android as well as iOS, which, which is traditional. And because of that, you can see that these games are played in teams. These are, ga- these are games that are played with friends. And when they first started the soft launch, and the soft launch went quite long, and it wasn't you know delivering good enough results, it, partly it was because it was only on iOS. So you know, if half of the nation, if half of your friends are running on Android devices, you can't play with them. So that was kind of hampering the success of the game. And as soon as they open it up on Android as well, you can kind of see the numbers being far better. Um, the second thing is is having meaningful differentiation. And when we look at the top three uh, Battle Royale games, Player Unknowns, Battlegrounds, Fortnite, and Apex Legends, you can kind of see that there's, you know, even though they're same, but they're quite different. So where you, when it comes to player unknown battlegrounds, it's a realistic art style. The gameplay is very much about sneaking and hiding. The maps are huge, and it offers both first-person shooter view as well as third-person view. Then you have Fortnite with that cartoony art style, very arcadey action, a lot of building. Like when you watch a battle, it's just it's chaos. People are placing walls on walls and walls and just doing you know crazy shit. Uh, the map size is quite medium. Um, not too big, not too small. There's there's a lot of stuff, you know, hills and, and little structures and so forth. And it's a third person um, view in, in the game. And then you have Apex, have a stylized art style, focusing purely on team play, offers a class system that basically, you know, forces you with that with with 
to to focus on the team play. The maps are very compact, very sort of a shootery, and it's full first person shooter uh, mode. So as you can see, there's there, there's quite different. Quite all these games are different, and then through that they appeal to different target groups. And what we've seen is. If you come in with something that is pretty much the same as somebody else has, you know, you kind of don't have a shot at the goal. But if you're able to differentiate in a smart way, like Apex Legends with that team play, you know, it alienates some of the players, but it actually is very beneficial because what we've seen is the players who play together stay together. So it's really important to to enforce that through the class-based system, through the socialized play. The other two elements that are super important in battle royale games, in my opinion, are the uh, the use of influencers. I mean, super important when launching. And so, influencers. I mean, we've seen Ninja do everything for everybody. Uh, he's uh, he's a very, <laughs> but other other influencers as well. Just Ninja saying that he's one of the most expensive ones. But but you can kind of see that the the ones who are. Um, truly making it are, are doing these giant campaigns with influencers and really getting the influencers to play their game for a, for a good while. Um, and then finally, building a community. I think that's one of the key things uh, that Apex Legends is doing maybe better than than the other two, is that they're very active on their community and they're very much different than an than EA company would do. I mean, they're very honest. You could see their community managers saying like, you know, regarding the updates, oh, this sucks and so and stuff like that. So they're very, um, very... Um, normal <laughs> yeah i would say they're very normal and that makes it easier to to uh to get to be a part of the community and that brings that important social layer where you're starting to invest because in the end i, th- I think communities are super important for for any game and 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 focusing on building a community is 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 absolutely key when 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 you know running games like like battle royales so i think you know kind of to close this down and in my opinion uh Apex Legends, great game, great product differentiation, did all the launch elements right, has the community, has the influencers, has the meaningful differentiations, went super big off the bat. I think the issue is monetization. It's like I was, I was you know, talking to this, um, um, well, he's, he's actually a pretty big YouTuber, um, but we're talking about Apex Legends and I kind of asked his opinion and he said, you know, he likes the gameplay, he totally understands, everything's great, but even he said, like, I don't know what to spend money on. So the art style is definitely somewhat limiting. There's no battle pass. Uh, the accessibility is actually pretty high because the game is not on mobile. And then as you can see with games like Garena Free Fire, which is, do, which is doing great in, in, um, in sort of a tier three countries, the accessibility is a pretty big thing. And then that really bumps up Fortnite and Battlegrounds because not everybody has a console, not everybody has a PC. So... I think I think Apex Legends has ways to go. I am worried about their monetization. Uh, I hope that they are that going forward they're able to kind of ease off uh, their with their stylized art, you know, art style and kind of bring forward more of funny elements. Uh, even you know, games like League of Legends went went or Dota Two went went with really comical um, costumes. So I hope hope that happens because. That will help selling the uh, the cosmetics, and I, I really hope that they come up on mobile and that they implement battle pass as soon as possible because that will all contribute to the success of this game and throughout contribute to the uh, EA stock. So that's my quick analysis. Great, Mishka. I, I have to agree with you, especially on monetization. And the the other point that you made when you were going through your overview is that first of all, this is this is you know Apex is is first person and not third person, so definitely much harder to 
kind of sell cosmetics when you can't see them on your character. And to your point, the, the Fortnite fiction seems to be, you know, much more forgiving for monetization with dances and things of that nature. And also, just from my perspective, it seems like the demographic of kids may care more about those cosmetics than adults. But, you know, that that bit is just conjecture on my part. But I did want to um, follow up on a few other points. Um, you know, the point you mentioned about Brawl Stars and how players wanted to play co-op and the point that was made by the, the uh, Forbes author that talked about how the author believed that uh, mobile for for Apex would not be as successful for Fortnite, and um, I just wanted to touch upon that point because I do believe that you know a big part of the mobile push for Fortnite is due to kids with tablets and kids who, to your point, would get together to play Fortnite co-op. That's basically the play pattern that I've seen with with my kids and kids at different parties. And so, hence, if I'm right about this, and you know, this is just my hypothesis, you, you know, we would probably expect to see a lot lower monetization coming from mobile relative to PC console, and potentially a disproportional part of that mobile audience being kids. And if that's the case, given the type of game that Apex is and how violent it is, and you know, because it is more skill based, and uh, that I, I actually think that. You know, it won't do as well um, on on mobile as as Fortnite has has, has done. And, but um, yeah, in terms of like um, uh, another point to make is that I, I believe that Apex. You know, just talking to some you know uh, streamers, that, like as you've spoken to some streamers and some ex programmers, is that Apex does seem to be the superior game from a gameplay perspective. And I think we're, we're kind of see that play out in terms of like Twitch streams and, and, you know, the, the amount of share that it's, it's getting. And, you know, um, while I don't, I haven't, I don't personally play shooters, uh, you know, like you, Mishka, I, I do think that, you know, in, in terms of market share that, um, Apex, in my opinion, will take a fair amount of share from Fortnite, but really from that that adult audience. And I think that, you know, most of the kids are, are probably going to stay put on Fortnite. Although because kids are highly influenced by streamers uh, that, um, you know, maybe it'll start, you know, eating away at the kids audience, the older they are. So like maybe like teens and up, um, but certainly um, think that there's a pretty good chance that, uh, you know, again, that the adult audience would be the ones that, um, that kind of break off from Fortnite and go to Apex. Um, the, the other thing I wanted to mention is that I, I think the, uh, you know, if we're talking, if we're thinking about the success case of Apex to, be, to truly be competitive with Fortnite, it, it really starts now. So it's not just the initial game experience, but how well Respawn can act like a free to play live ops company. So when we think about, you know, w one of the reasons why Epic has been so successful with, with Fortnite, I think it's just, just the extreme amount of execution. They've been ex executing extremely well in terms of partnerships, integrations, new game modes, you know, the mm -hmm. Marshmallow concert. And so while I think Apex made a huge win in round one here, uh, we got a lot of additional rounds to go. And really the jury's out whether Respawn can culturally act like a free-to-play live ops organization and can execute to, you know, sort of the, the, the way that Epic has. And in my own personal experience, you know, it, it does feel that many of the, you know, console, you know, game development studios in terms of the culture, the way of thinking, 
And adapta- the, the adaptation for premium guys to change their practices to free-to-play has always been extremely difficult. So we'll, we'll kind of see how things go from here. Uh, Eric? Sure. Um, let me see. All right, let me see where I was. <laughs> oh, um, okay. I think, you know, fundamentally, I think Apex is a uh, more of a PUBG, Call of Duty killer or competitor than a Fortnite mm-hmm. competitor to, to most degree, you know, a more mature game appeals to more of a core audience. You know, Fortnite will always be more attractive to kids and obviously more acceptable to parents, which is even more important. Um, you know, having said that, you know, Fortnite did do a promotion recently to give away a season, the next season pass by, a, you know, finishing a set of challenges. It's a pretty aggressive move, and it seems to be a reaction to them likely losing some players to Apex during, you know, its first couple of weeks. Um, the other thing I would say is that the monetization model, I think is actually relatively strong for what it is. Um, you know, cosmetics, I said last podcast, you know, cosmetics really work for a broad, massive audience. Um, but loot boxes and character unlocks can work for much smaller, uh, group of players, uh, more of a niche, more of a hardcore multiplayer audience. Um, the examples like Black Ops or Rainbow Six Siege in particular. So Rainbow Six Siege has been a remarkable product for Ubisoft in which they have a kind of the equivalent of season passes, but it's all centered around um, new oper- operators. Um, and so you can either subscribe and access them all or you buy them all a cart. But anyway, their models work really well. And I think it seems to me that they were kind of using that as, as an inspiration perhaps. Um, and to further that point, Black Ops has gone, <laughs> Black Ops has already gone back to their old monetization model, right? They were trying to do the Fortnite model and they actually ended up introducing loot boxes last week, I believe, or a couple weeks ago, um, because they know that the performance of the Fortnite model is not working for them. Um, and, you know, I just want to repeat exactly what I said last time is again, you have to, you have to like apply the monetization design to your type of game and also your type of player. You can't just, you know, one, one, uh, one monetization model doesn't work for all games and all markets. Um, and then finally, I will agree with definitely agree with Joseph on this one is that the key will be live ops, right? So they need to nail this, you know, overwatch failed miserably, right? Because they had like a character every three to six months, which is, just not enough, right? And not enough new things going on within the game. Uh, part of that was because they were investing a lot of, in esports and kind of, you know, had two different, you know, priorities. But, you know, Epic knocked this thing out of the park. You know, I think once the success, they saw the success, it was like all hands on deck to make sure they had the content pipeline to keep, keep players engaged. Um, so they need the dedicated resources at, at um, Respawn in order to make this happen. So I've been told that they're pretty close to like the three to $4 million a day mark, right? Which is probably, you know, lower, um, a lot lower than Fortnite, but that still is a remarkable number. And if that is the case, I imagine they will get the resource <laughs> to make this thing happen. Um, and finally, you know, I want to also agree with the, the, the influencers were a huge part of the success of this game. There is no doubt in my mind that you cannot. You cannot say that Ninja and Trout and all these douchebag <laughs> crazy guys are um, really influencing uh, how people and what people play. Um, and they've definitely proven their worth for this game. 
Having said that, you know, they, they were paid for the first few days and even, even, even Ninja in his own, you know, his own feed was saying like, I'm not paying that play getting paid for this anymore. I just love this game, you know? And so as long as they keep playing it and they are keep playing it, cause you look at the numbers on Twitch and they're still going, um, you know, I think this game will, will have a market and, and continue to succeed for EA and respawn. Great. And so with that, we can move on to our final article on Electronic Arts titled Electronic Arts, How to Destroy Shareholder Value. And this was an article on Seeking Alpha. Um, and, and let me just start by first saying, you know, I'm just the messenger, so don't shoot me for reporting on this article. Also, I am a fan of EA, or at least as much as one can reasonably be, or at least a huge fan of the original EA, the one that was about artists. (laughs) Anyway, let's get to it. So this this article basically does have a massively negative outlook on EA. And while none of us here totally agree with the content overall, I think there are some good points and points worthy of discussion. So so wanted to break this down. First, the summary, according to the author, about EA. Um, First, that management made many alarming statements on the conference call that imply slower or no growth going forward. By conference call, he's talking about the um, Q3 2019 uh, earnings call. That Q3 2019 was an absolute disaster and management has not admitted their mistakes. That Apex Legends, despite its success in attracting players, seems overhyped. Anthem looks to be a future failure. EA has dropped the ball in this game multiple times now. And that EA's core business is in decline and investors investors should continue avoiding the stock. And so that's kind of like the high-level summary. And then going down into more specifics, uh, the author uh, states that after EA reported its Q3 2019, Battlefield 5 missed expectations and digital sales were significantly lower than expected. And after that, the stro- stock dropped almost 20%, which uh, the author noted was the worst drop since 1999. Then in February, earlier this month, obviously Apex Legends uh, launched, which caused the EA stock to rebound from near $75 to over $106 at one point. And the author argues strongly, though, that in the author's opinion, that Apex is uh, overhyped. Also, the author notes that um, there was a big um, FY fiscal year 2019 revision down of $300 million, or nearly 20% from the 2019 Q2 to Q3 investor presentations. And then he goes into a little bit more detail, uh, talking about what, what uh, the author describes as a disastrous Q3 earnings call and how management blamed Battle Royale for the big miss on Battlefield Five rather than admitting mistakes um, or problems with the game itself. The author mentioned 7.3 million units in the quarter, in the quarter sold of Battlefield Five, about 1 million less than Q3 guidance. Also that Command & Conquer rivals the mobile game uh, significantly missed in terms of forecast for organic installs. And in fact, in, in, when the YouTube official reveal trailer came out, it got more downvotes than upvotes and that the FIFA franchise is flat. Um, the author then comes back to you know shit on Anthem some more. Um, author mentions having 
a super confusing release schedule that they copied from Battlefield 5, despite the fact that Battlefield 5 release schedule did not drive subscriptions and was a massive source of player backlash. And for some reason, EA also added it to Anthem. Author then shows massive negative criticism from influencers and players on YouTube and Twitter, including some some highlights. And I'll I'll read some of the highlights that the author included. Quote, uh, the Bioware genius that links story and gameplay is completely shattered here. I've played 20 years of looter games and I've never experienced (laughs) something as repetitive as this. Fort Tarsus is one of the most depressing hubs I've ever seen in my life. Avoid this game. It isn't worth a fraction of its $60 price tag right now. And finally, it's a damn loading screen simulator. And, you know, I think I mentioned earlier some of the YouTube videos that actually show, show like the, the load screen time and the game time. And yet, in fact, the loading screen time was longer. I, I don't know if, Eric, that was your experience No, that's as well, an but, exaggeration. So. If I continue. <laughs> This guy is just ripping them to shreds. I thought I was bad. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a definite hit piece here. The author then comes back to Apex and goes into meticulous detail on why the author feels the game is overhyped. And then the author then talks about EA's future pipeline. Um, Battlefield 5 Firestorm, which is um, Battlefield 5's Battle Royale mode coming out in March. The author feels that this, this feature will be highly cannibalistic with Apex Legends. And then the author mentioned Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order when the author in this case feels that EA just has a negative track record with Star Wars games and, and so is not very optimistic. Then the author talks about competition, in particular CD Projekt Red with Cyberpunk 2077 and then compares the likes to dislikes ratios and number of views um, in terms of like the, the, the YouTube uh, launch trailer videos um, to, to Anthem. So comparing Cyberpunk 2077 to Anthem, and we, we can see that the Cyberpunk 2077 numbers are vastly superior in, in both those two regards in terms of number of views and likes to dislikes ratio. And then the author then brings up um, a, a fair amount of insider selling from February 12th to February 20th, around 5 million so far after the EA stock uh, spiked from, you know, uh, from, from the performance of Apex Legends. And I'll, I'll just end with the conclusion from the author um, who uh, you know, states, quote, EA is honestly not much better off than it was at $75. Apex, Apex is definitely not a flop, but we feel confident saying that it won't be the next fortnight in terms of revenues. Anthem reviews so far have been below even my low expectations and competition is just as strong as ever. Insiders continue to sell large amounts of stock and layoffs only strengthen our point that EA's growth story is over. EA has been a colossal failure for shareholders and gamers alike, launching an impressive amount of failure in 2018 alone. Avoid EA. And for those of you who haven't read this, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have a link in the podcast notes, but, it, you know, agree or not, I, I thought it was a quite, you know, it was quite interesting piece to read. And, you know, obviously a, a major hit job by an investor author, although the the author does state in the comments, like, actually, I'm not sure EA, but anyway, anyway, I, I think a lot of good points were raised, but, you know, what, what do you guys think, Eric and Michelle? Yeah, I mean, you know, the interesting part of these type of articles, which I read from time to time, Motley Fool, Motley Fool and Seeking Alpha, is that generally they're kind of reinforcing their own book, meaning 
that people behind the articles could be are likely short the stock and 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 are kind of wanting to increase the negative sentiment. Now he says in the article, at the end of the article, that he has no positions, but I, I find it hard to believe. You know, it's kind of a you know you're just throwing out a blog there. Having said that, <laughs> the guy did an amazing job of summing up where they are. Like I I couldn't have done it better myself. I mean I've I've ranted on almost everything on his list to some degree. But kind of he, what he didn't do is really focus on where they're going. And the other thing is that this stock has went from $15 to $150, you know. And so now it's sitting at like a 95 or 100 or something like that. And um, so it, it's, it, it's, it's an interesting snapshot of negativity, which I totally agree with. Now, having said that, I'm – you know, I was as bearish as he was on, on Battlefield last year and on sports and Battlefield was a train wreck. And I think that was the majority of their miss last year. But looking forward, you can see EA's lineup has a is pretty solid next year. You know, Respawn, the Star Wars game is going to be amazing. I, you know, I don't know if he's really focused on what that game could do and what it could be and how how that comps with something like, um, you know, Battlefield, which didn't do anything. You know, Apex came out of nowhere, and if you had listened to the call, they had said that they didn't even put Apex in their guidance. So for for this this current quarter, nor next year, um, and there's also a possibility of Titanfall three coming, and Need for Speed, and all the sports games are back. You know, this really creates an easy comp for them for next year. And so while he's super negative, the reality of it is like the data points should start coming that make it actually the story kind of turn positive next year. Um, so anyway, for me, I think the EA is really safe in the March quarter, despite this Anthem fiasco. Um, you know, it's not looking so hot, but and it may miss numbers a little bit, but I think Apex will make up for it. Um, and then finally, I you know, next year should be better. And investors typically, you know, worry about the current, but they're more focused on the future. And so if they see potential in the future, they start buying the stock. You know, it's really that simple. Um and then you know, a quick rant about this, and I don't think we've done this on the podcast before, but what's truly ironic about the upcoming year for EA is that their performance will be solely based upon the success of the Respawn games, right? You know, of which EA had nothing to do with. The CEO, the CFO, even studio management has nothing to do with Respawn, right? You know, they had absolutely no input into the development of these games. They were also pretty much forced to acquire the company due to a foreign game company uh, making bids against Respawn. And they wanted to protect their relationship with uh, Respawn in order to, and Vince and the other guys so that they could build the uh, Star Wars game, right? And before this, before they were actually forced to kind of acquire the company for insane, insane amount of money, their relationship with Vince and team was, was, a, was a disaster because of Titanfall 2. Like, you know, Vince was out there doing pot shots at, at the management of EA for, for months and months and months, right? So anyway, but EA needed them to make the Star Wars game. And so anyway, they're ultimately EA was forced to overspend and spend insane amounts of money on the studio. So in essence, like after screwing up like every launch besides sports for the last five years, including Mass Effect Andromeda, Battlefront 2, Mass... Uh, Sorry, Battlefront 2, Mass Effect Drama, oh, Titanfall 2, and then most recently Battlefield 2. They get back in the game with two or three games from a studio they have no control over. So I'm not sure, but I can imagine they have a clause in the acquisition agreement with EA that leaves 
that leaves Respawn the fuck alone, right? And that's why they're having the success. It has nothing to do with EA. It's just all about Respawn. I think Respawn's managing this whole thing from the marketing of of Apex to, you know, how they're bringing the the Star Wars game to market. I think they're completely independent and that's in their contract. And so it's just funny that EA has nothing to do with any of this, right? And so we'll see how they do next year. I'm 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 again very bullish on on the prospects for them. Um and I think all it has to do with respawn and that's about it. So mm. what do you think? Uh I don't know about about the uh, the the console side or the PC side. I can only talk about the mobile side. And when when I look at the EA's uh mobile portfolio, I mean it's interesting. So they've been pretty stable when it comes to revenue. And and overall, their their portfolio is very well balanced, almost like Zynga, except that they don't have any casino games. So on the midcore side, they've been strong for for a while with with Star Wars, which is currently bringing about thirty percent of their all mobile revenues. Uh, but you know, with the new Command and Conquer Rivals, it didn't really live up to expectations. And you know, the game is only a couple of months old. Uh, but it doesn't look too good. And we, we kind of predicted this because it was going head to head against Clash Royale. And we've seen Titanfall. We've seen uh, Star Wars games. We've seen all kind of games that came in after after Clash Royale with that same type of gameplay. And neither none of them have ever, you know, made a dent. So it was very, you know, it was against odds that Command and Conquer would, would live up to the expectations. And I, I think that hasn't happened. Uh, when When you look at their sports portfolio, traditionally they've been, I mean, EA Sports, they've been they've been really good in, in sports led by Madden. But recent like during the last year, Madden is Madden used to bring about a quarter of, of EA's mobile revenues, but now the revenues from Madden are down to eleven percent. So uh, the, with the latest update, the game is not doing too well. Uh, it's actually doing considerably worse than the year before. On the other hand, FIFA has really bounced back. The first year for FIFA was was kind of weak, but it was it was always sort of a question mark that would that would be even a, either a star or a dog. And it looks like the game has developed to be a star, so it it, it really improved. And and what what's really interesting about the EA Sports model uh, for for the FIFA, NBA, and Madden is that with every season they essentially rebuild the meta, so you start the game all over. And I think it's pretty unique for any mobile game uh, to do that. So it allows them to to fix big mistakes, and and with FIFA they they fix big mistakes. With NBA they did it as well. So both FIFA and NBA are pretty stable, while the sort of a crown jewel Madden has gone significantly down. But you know going forward, because of the model how they how they run live operations on these games, I expect Madden to to kind of bounce back next year as they as they've learned from from these mistakes. On the racing side, you know Need for Speed improved over the couple of two years, uh, really picked up the pace. Um, so pretty stable now as well as the real racing and they haven't really released a racing game in, in maybe like five years now or six on the casual sides that's where the maxis is and that's where the pop gap is so simpsons old game very stable uh, at what it does you know the bouncing through the events but pretty much the same thing SimCity has been on minor decline and that's that's been a pretty pretty stable breadwinner for them sims mobile was cannibal uh, sims free to play which is kind of their one of the first Sims titles on mobile, uh, a very, very well um, performing game throughout maybe last six, seven, eight years. It's a very old title. EA released Sims Mobile, which during last 12 months, I think I think about a year ago, they released Sims Mobile to kind of update the Sims 
free play. What happened is that it really just cannibalized Sims free to play, and and it looks like the total revenue is is just a little bit higher with these two titles compared to what it was with just a single sort of a legacy title out of Melbourne. So I don't know if you can say that that was a major success to release Sims Mobile, um, but but yeah, uh, definitely you know not going forward on that, and. Um, on the arcade side, when we talk about uh, puzzle games and arcade games, naturally we talk about PopCap. And even though PopCap is, is still running a lot of installs for the company through, through you know, Plants vs. Zombies and Bejeweled, we haven't seen PopCap really, you know, pick up their stride when it comes to puzzle games. In fact, uh, I would, just looking at the numbers, you could argue that PopCap has been pretty much a disappointment after the acquisition, at least on the mobile side. Um Nothing. I, I don't even remember, even remember the latest game coming out of PopCap. I think they did this sort of a card battler that kind of uh, reminded of of Clash Royale. Um, I don't remember what was it called, but it was this sort of a PvP card battler PopCap game. But yeah, nothing, nothing to to talk about. So to summarize it, when we talk about the strength, weaknesses, and opportunities and threats on EA Mobile. They have strong th- uh, strengths. I mean, intellectual properties. They they own everything from from Dragon Age to Battlefield to to um, Titanfall to you name it. Um, so so that's that's a huge advantage. The second thing is actually live operations. And what we've seen is EA has been releasing less and less games uh, on mobile over over the years. Last year they released only two games: uh, Sims Mobile and 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 command and conquer rivals so they've been able to to push through the live operation because the revenues are very stable and we've seen games that that came out of the gate and didn't perform like fifa uh to actually pick up the pace and perform better and better throughout the years so the live operation is definitely a, a strength of ea uh, another strength that they have is studios i mean they have studios around the world and and um with external not external with, with these studios around the world there's a little bit of a different type of um there's a, di- a little bit different type of management that you, that you can see. So having having worked on, on some of the companies and having worked in external studios and having not external, having worked in remote studios as well as having worked in HQs, I think working in in that external that that remote studio is is just it's it's much more because um, you're kind of living on the edge. You know, you know that the HQ can shut you down if you're not performing, which is a little bit different than than what happens in the HQ. So I think through that these these studios that are in external locations are performing better traditionally. And you can see that also in, in EA's uh, mobile portfolio. Games coming out of Redwood have performed significantly worse than, than the games coming out of Melbourne, coming out of Helsinki, coming out of Austin and so forth. So so I think this sort of uh, uh, living on the edge is, is beneficial when it comes to launching good games and then operating them. And finally, uh, if I have to mention sort of a strength uh, that is maybe turning into a weakness already, is there sort of a publishing um, so EA has traditionally been a publisher, uh, really good at launching games. And when I was reading through this rant article of, of um, Motley Fool that, that JK just went through, what you can see is, is that he quoted the management talking about the expectations for Command & Conquer rivals and what they expected for the organics and so forth and how, how far off the expectations were. And that kind of you know puts a, puts a little bit of worry in my head is like how well do they understand – mobile publishing then like how how well do they understand launching games on mobile if if the predictions are so off and it, it you know 
So, so I think the traditional strength is a little bit of a weakness nowadays. Now, um, another weakness that that is clear that they've had now is the new games. So both Sims Mobile, uh, which cannibalized existing game, and just you know, uh, yeah, it, w- it wasn't a it looked like a better game, but it didn't perform in a way. Uh, as well as the CNC rivals, it's 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 clear to say that that new games have been uh, sort of a weakness. And even some of the games that came out of the gate, like FIFA uh, and even NBA Live, and and those were not performing well at the beginning. And and through the live operations, they've been able to to course correct those those games. So I would say the new games is a bit of a weakness. Uh, the opportunities that the company has is naturally in the pipeline because of the intellectual properties, because of, because of all the studios they have. Um, there's a there's an, a, a way to to really buff up the pipeline and, and bring some amazing games uh, to the market. Opportunity is also the publishing business. I know I said it's a it's a little bit of a weakness right now, but they have fantastic publishing organizations and and if you get those functioning properly, get them up to date, you know. Um, you, that's that's a significant strength that they have because they can just amass such a such a firepower behind the games. Uh, also, I would say opportunity, which is a current weakness, is PopCap. Um, this is a traditional studio. They you know they have the IPs. Uh, I don't know why they're struggling so much in the in even in the puzzle category. Um, it's 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 worrisome, but I, I'd still say that that PopCap is an opportunity. It has a has a good brand value, and and I'm I'm hoping that that good games kind of come out of that studio. And and I would say the biggest threat is the sort of a copy-paste design that you've seen in, in EA Mobile games. So, you know, features though, uh, even the core loop that works in Madden, they just copy-paste it on NBA Live and and, and on FIFA. And, and that was kind of an issue. They copy-pasted some some basic RPG Summoner's War mechanics from from almost from Galaxy of Hero to to Need for Speed. And, and, and th- that kind of approach where where it feels like um, it feels like things added don't fit to the to the game, uh, that that's definitely a threat. Uh, so you have to three, t- uh, th- you have to um, you have to approach every game as as a unique uh, unique product. So so it's good to take the learnings, but but you can't just you know copy paste stuff from one game to another. So that's that's my sort of analysis of, of EA Mobile. It's it's um it's sad that it's not growing uh, as as with the market, and it's sad that they haven't brought more of these amazing console and, and PC IPs to the mobile in in the right way. And I was I was actually a, really expecting Command and Conquer this this year, just because I, that's like one of my favorite games ever. And um, yeah, I. Definitely was was a little bit disappointed in the, in the game. Um, wasn't wasn't the biggest fan of it, um, but yeah, I hope it doesn't it doesn't um, it doesn't hold them back from from releasing more of of these IP games because I, I'd like to see a new iteration of especially Command and Conquer. Yeah, I mean, you know, my quick take on EA Mobile in general, and I've said this before on other podcasts, is that. Well, first of all, EA did say that they underperformed last year, primarily because of sports, Command and Conquer, and as you said, the cannibalization of Sims. Um, so that was disappointing from them. Part of their earnings call was was basically stated that mobile was weaker than they expected. But the, you know, the fundamental problem that I see, um, which I did say in a previous podcast, is that it's, mobile is just not a priority for Andrew, you know, the CEO. He's it's just not staffed appropriately. You know, their focus is really leveraging their brands on mobile 
rather than really custom development and really taking, you know, a big swing at mobile. I mean, for a time years ago, I think that was not the case, but I think since Andrew took over, his focus is primarily on subscription, right? And, and that is primarily related to premium content. Um, So I don't know, again, it, it doesn't seem very staffed appropriately. We have, you know, the head of mobile is the same person that's the head of uh, Maxis and um, Bioware, right? So where's her priority? Her priority is clearly going to be on Bioware, right? Um, and and to this lesser degree, Maxis, right? So anyway, I don't know. To me, it seems like mobile will always be somewhat of a stepchild at EA um, until perhaps another CEO or, um, you know, a different strategic take on, on mobile, uh, which is a shame because... To your point, they have a ton of opportunities and they have some great IP. Um, I just don't know if they have the teams or even the publishing anymore to really execute against anything uh, more than just a, you know, leveraging their brands, you know, and, and extending FIFA and Madden, et cetera. So. Mm. JK. Uh, I got nothing, well, nothing to add. I think, I think that's, um, in other words, we're done. <laughs> that's it twig 24 all right and and thanks everybody for listening and as always do remember that all the opinions expressed in this podcast are of our own and do not reflect those of our employers so keep that in mind as you listen through this and have yourself a really great day evening morning whatever you're doing bye but now